Welcome to NGA Notable Lectures, a podcast offering a deeper understanding of all things artistic. The parrot was among many coveted imports to the Northern Netherlands in the Golden Age, and its prominence in genre paintings of the period has generated interest not only among art historians, but also in the scientific community. In an interview on January 10, 2018, Kristen Gonzalez, curatorial assistant of Northern Baroque paintings, and Dr. Irene Pepperberg, Harvard scientist and renowned expert on animal cognition, discuss the lively interactions between parrots and people in Dutch paintings, some of which were examined during the landmark exhibition Vermeer and the Masters of Genre Painting, Inspiration and Rivalry. Pepperberg's work with the African gray parrot has revolutionized ideas about animal communication and intelligence. Examining a number of Dutch genre paintings that depict parrots, Pepperberg and Gonzalez explore the role of these beloved family companions from a unique multidisciplinary perspective. Their analysis considers a society that not only recognized the cognitive abilities of parrots, but also documented these abilities in paintings of the highest caliber. Their paintings fetched large sums of money and provided an elite clientele exactly what they wanted, a reflection of their society's sophistication and ideals. Pepperberg and Gonzalez consider the parrot and its place then and now and reveal striking similarities in animal-human relationships throughout history. Well, Irene, thank you so much for coming here today all the way down from Boston in this cold weather. This is Irene Pepperberg, my personal hero and a expert on um, African greys and their behavior. And she has been kind enough to visit us at the National Gallery um, in part to see the exhibition, Vermeer and the Masters of Genre Painting, Imitation and Rivalry. And Irene, as you know, been working on the parrots in Dutch genre painting, and we've just come through the exhibition. What are your thoughts? It's just, first of all, let me thank you so much for Uh inviting me down. It's my pleasure to be here. It's just a gorgeous, gorgeous exhibit, and I've learned so much about Dutch art that I didn't know, separate from the whole work with the parrots, so that's been very, very exciting. Um, and, of course, we spent most of our time um, with the parrots, and I think one of the most interesting aspects of this is that we're really getting this window into the private lives of Dutch citizens in the 17th century, but the parrot takes us one step further because we're seeing them as pets and as companions. Yeah, and that was a big thing, the idea. They, they were very, very valuable at that point. They were a symbol of somebody's wealth Mm -hmm. and standing in the community, obviously. But they also treated them as something more than an object. I mean, you see them in these situations where they're being treated very much like a young child Mm -hmm. might be treated. Mm -hmm. Um, A little bit more than, say, a dog would be treated. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're basically being fed out of the hand. They're being fed human food. Mm -hmm. They're being shown in a very different way. And it, it's really quite amazing. My, I have a Dutch colleague who uses some of these pictures in his talks mm-hmm. when he explains to the general public that these birds have been pets forever. They are working with children in terms of sitting there. He's shown some pictures he has where they're basically sitting on the children's lessons mm-hmm. and things like that. 
the birds are very much part of the family. Yeah. Um, now that's interesting that you that you mentioned the, the context of you know birds, parrots, and, and education. Um, there are a couple works um, by one um, which um, we can talk about, and I realize we can't unfortunately show it to our listeners, but um, describe it in detail as a mother is bringing down. Um, the parrot from its cage in order to um, sort of start a, a lesson, if you will. And the mother's dipping in the the biscuit at the same time she's reaching up and she's scratching the little mm-hmm. parrot on the head. Yeah. So, you know, giving me yeah. a little affection. And, um, you know, do you think that this could perhaps be sort of, you know, an opportunity to educate, maybe imitate and rival, yeah, you know, yeah. get the child to speak or the bird? Yeah, I mean, it's also probably making sure that the child understands that the bird is a pet, that bird mm-hmm. is not anything dangerous, the bird mm-hmm. is part of the family also. Um, you don't know how long the bird's been around the child. Maybe right. this is something you know that, that's new for the child. We sure. don't know. Sure. It's clear that the woman and the bird get mm-hmm. along very well because the bird wouldn't be presenting its head right. for, for tickles and things like that otherwise. But it's really interesting. And the dog, of course, is also standing there looking up at the bird mm-hmm. like, oh, this mm-hmm. is kind of interesting, yeah. showing the whole com- combination of things. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and we had talked about this in this element of companionship and females and birds, but also in the Dutch tradition oftentimes you will see uh, young children with birds, usually not the African greys, some the smaller, um, maybe less skittish, more friendly, cuddly okay. types of, um, of birds as so sort of a, a plaything. Um, but also in in family portraits. Um, And uh, there's a number of of Dutch portrait painters that we talked about how they would include the parrot in... um, you know, the middle of the family portrait in many ways. Mm-hmm. We think, you know, just why you don't want your children running around. You can't even capture them with the cell phone camera these days. Yeah. But if you're, you know, painting in oil, <laughs> right. that it's important to keep them entertained. And watching the bird. And the bird is very entertaining. And the, obviously the portraitist could fill the bird in later right. and wants to get the children right and on these play stands and I was it was really great to talk to you about this sort of these um, laddered play stands right. which you know really seemed you think that some of these um, artists really would have been familiar oh, with yeah. the parrots yeah and because the, the, the different perches are at exactly the right height for the bird to be able to grasp it on its beak and, and climb up also very interesting there's a big you know disc shaped thing on the bottom of the play stand mm-hmm. which is what <laughs> they would use to collect all the birds' messes and mm-hmm. things like that. So they were, somebody was very much aware. I mean, we use the same exact play stands right. these days. They right. haven't changed in 400 right. years. Right. I mean, these are the same same types And they of really things. had to love their parrots because yeah. they were so fastidious. They were so clean. I mean, we talked right. about them, you know, mounting the broom to the mast of the Dutch warship. I mean, emblem of, of, of how what, how clean their interiors were, their floors. And so right. it's so... You take off the shoes. You right, know. you take off the shoes. But, you know, in reality, that the birds, they would have been spending quite a bit of time um, cleaning up, um, right. you and, know, cleaning yeah. these cages. And probably they had service whose jobs were probably only to clean up and take after the Right, right. And I'm glad you brought that up because we had um, looked at uh, one work by um, Franz von Mieris, the um, duet, um, which is from a collection in Germany in which the young page boy is entering from the right. And it's... it's, 
you know, he's bringing in a, a, a small glass of tea or coffee or something. Um, but the idea that in, in many of these uh, works that the page boy or the young servant would have been, yes, serving, serving. the bird um, in the... Um, yeah, the lights in Moj, China or something. Yeah, I mean, it's, well, you know, and, and, I, and I joked about this in, in, in my lectures is, you know, the, the the joke is the parrots have um, dogs have owners parrots have staff and this is really exactly <laughs> what's going on in some of these works when you see the, the Kaspar Nechar um, the National Gallery's um, recent acquisition the portrait of the woman the parrot and the the, the the young page boy is coming out from the the back of the niche and his eyes are locked directly on that parrot I mean yeah. he's he's not there to serve this beautiful woman in her he's there to, <laughs> to serve the bird to yes. serve the bird and I, you know I love the, the the that sort of it's such a personal um, you know again Dutch genre paintings invite us into the the homes of these citizens but this is a, such a personal touch when you see that you know there these animals were so loved um, you know. Yeah. And there's, there's a, such a sense of humor about it, almost. And there's another work um, by Pieter de Hoch, um, and it's a it's a portrait of some sort where a page is coming in from outside of the courtyard. He's got this um, tray with oranges, and he once again he's looking directly at the bird, and the bird is even allowed to you know be on the outs outside of its cage on the perch where it, you know could potentially make a mess on the floor. But you know they were just really loved. Yeah, and they were part. And again, they were an amazing staff a symbol mm -hmm. and the fact that you could afford a bird and afford somebody to take care of the bird oh, absolutely it was it was a very big thing and mm -hmm. there was again at that stage there was a lot of anthropomorphism mm -hmm. and the fact that of course these birds could talk yeah which no other other creature that mm -hmm. they knew of at that point could do so mm -hmm. made them even more part of the family mm -hmm. and they would be taught all these little phrases and things mm -hmm. that would connect them to mm -hmm. the family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I think um, so much of, of my research stems from, you know, your work today in terms of their cognitive abilities. And I'm, do you think it's too much to venture when you're really looking at the, the tradition, the historical tradition, the literary tradition, the tr tradition and paintings and all of this that is handed down to us in which we get anecdotes in which parrots, particularly greys, are in a in a situation where they are responding to a certain set yeah. of, of you know, not not just repeating, but right. um, uh, responding uh, to their to, to cues and its cognitive right. abilities. Yeah. And I mean I'm sure there are parts of this. There's a um, a folk singing tradition where there's there's songs about the bird ratting on different things that are happening so that, you know, the bird is watching an adulterous affair and, you know, spills the beans about what's going on or right. things like that. The idea is that through the centuries, they're treated mm -hmm. as these slightly mischievous but very much, you know, functioning members of the society. Right. No, I'm so glad you mentioned that because there is this tradition of the parrot as witness and much of my research has been, I'm technically a medievalist, um, but I'm sort of, well, I'm in the happily ensconced in the world of, of, of yeah. Flemish and Dutch Baroque paintings, but um, I was very interested in looking at the medieval tradition of the parrot and while, and it's really often then used in this, you know, very Christianizing context in which the bird is sort of it's witnessed there it's seen and and the idea that in antiquity you've got this all of a sudden this 
flood of parrots coming in literally through antiquity. I mean, they're, they're everywhere. And to the point where they're almost, because they're so ubiquitous, they lose some of their luster. Yeah. People to get start to get frustrated them. Some Roman nobles even consumed them. Mm-hmm. Horrible. But they sort of drop off the map. And, you know, whether that's related to the so-called fall of the Roman Empire. Well, the trade. No, sure, the trade. And there's just not the market for it. And there's not, but they really sort of disappear. And their disappearance, they sort of come back in this more, they have sort of a more magical um, aspect because they're not as everyday. Um, and so they start to appear in illuminated manuscripts and in a very Christianizing context as, you know, because they're intelligent and because they can speak, they're sort of given this, um, yeah, this role as as witness. And you see them then incorporated into religious scenes um, and later in the Renaissance, um, you know, on the lap of the Virgin with the... Um, uh, Christ child. Yeah. Um, the very famous example is the Madonna and um, Canon Vanderpile from Jan van Eyck, in which this um, ring neck parrot is sitting, you know, essentially almost being held mm-hmm. by the yeah. Christ child. And there's been a lot of, from art historians, mm-hmm. a lot of thought about that, you know, that, that is this sort of a prophecy, right. you know, what, what's going to happen. Yeah, was it a gift from the Magi? Who yeah, knows, right. Know? I mean, but the yeah, the idea that they recognized the intelligence of the parrot, yeah. the, the ability to do, and then you see in the 17th century, they're all of a sudden, they're everywhere, but they're not in this very Christianizing context. Mm. They're just in people's homes. Yeah, well, they're not everywhere. They're yeah. in the upper, upper Yes, class. yes, you're right, you're right, you're right. It's a very, I mean, you know, the fact that there's, I, I don't know if it's true that Henry VIII had a parrot, but um, there is evidence that he gave one to one of his one of the people in the court. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, Charles the fir- Charles the second, excuse me, gave one to one of his ex mistresses. Mm-hmm. Things like that. That was many years later, but still, it was this. Right. You know, it was still a very important aspect. Yeah, I mean, of, it's it's quite a gift. Yeah, but it's also um, as we were discussing earlier, the idea that you know we all sort of we we want a pet that reflects something about us, yeah. and if that's the case, these you know these rulers, I mean, among them Charlemagne, um, yeah, Henry the Eighth. Um, even Winston Churchill, mm-hmm. it's eloquent, it's yeah. it's rare, it's yeah. intelligent. You know, it's sort of embodying the same qualities they they I mean, desire to. Right. Um, yeah. And and I think that's that's very. I'm very interested in exploring that and wondering. Um, yeah, what yeah. do you think yeah. today? It's the same thing. I mean, people. You know, a lot of people look at these birds as a somewhat status symbol. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, they're still, although they're certainly not a king's ransom, they're mm-hmm. not inexpensive animals. And anybody who owns one know that it's not just the, the price of the bird. Mm-hmm. It's the price of the cage and yeah. of the veterinary care that you're supposed to have. The bird needs a checkup at least once a year, usually twice a year, for several hundred dollars. Yeah. And, and the attention the t- you need to spend. And the, to- the toys. <laughs> yeah. The toys that they oh, need. Yeah. And the organic food that they need mm-hmm. to eat. And the again, the attention. I mean, they you know, certain birds like the cockatoo, they're only happy if they're surgically attached to your shoulders. Sure. I mean, we joke about it, but it's it's not really a joke. I mm-hmm. mean, they are they're flock birds in the mm-hmm. wild. All these parrots are flock birds. You never see a single bird in the wild mm-hmm. because it can't forage and look for enemies at the same time. Right. For look for predators at the same sure. time. So it has to be in a flock. You usually see them. I mean, grays will travel in flocks of three to five. We don't know if that's a family group okay. or if it's just buds. Ah, okay. But, you know, that's that. 
they're traveling it, then they'll during the day they'll go into these big groups at a water hole, mm -hmm. and then somebody squawks. There's a sentinel. There's some danger. They take off. They go off to other places. They forage in small groups. They come back in other areas to eat. They will. You'll see them in a tree. My my colleagues have reported you know, there's a fruiting tree and there'll be a bunch of them coming and going all day. Mm -hmm. And then the nighttime flocks, yeah. those used to be enormous. Now they're down to, you know, one-tenth of the size because mm -hmm. of poaching and tree destruction and habitat destruction and things like that. But they're in these flocks and, you know, we take them. We, it's like putting somebody in solitary confinement. Yeah, right. You know, it's it's cruel. Right. And, and then people say, well, I'll get a parrot for my parrot to keep it company. Mm. And I say, and how close to you were your freshman roommate in college who was chosen for right, you? Right, right. You know, yeah, That's later a good on point, when, yeah. <laughs> later on you chose somebody to room with and that sure. was okay. But you know, I mean It's a big I mean, it's, it's a big, a big commitment. Thing. You know, our parents, I mean, the two of them right now, they, they tolerate one another. Mm-hmm. They don't play together. They're, mm -hmm. you know, they're unhappy when they're separated because they're there's a flock and they know it's a flock. But you know, they really want their individual space. If if Athena gets a little too close to Griffin, he gently gives her a little beak whack oh. to say, you know, you're, you're <laughs> a little off. too close. Yeah. You know? Very gentle, mm -hmm. but he gives her a little beak whack. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so the point is they, but, you know, the students are their flock. Mm -hmm. And the birds have sep separate birds, have separate people who they, you know, like better sure. than others and things. But, you know, they really need this kind of attention. Right. And, again, they are... You know they are very human-like in this, mm -hmm. and we, you know, we wouldn't we wouldn't put a four-year-old child in a playpen for eight hours with a few toys and a snack right. and say, right. "Here, I'll be back." You know, when I come back from work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, no, I think that that's that's a very interesting point with regard to some of these, you know, artificial niches that we see um, in the exhibition. We've got this sort of wall of parrots in mm -hmm. which. Three works are f featured, um, two of which the uh, parrots, you know, being let out of its cage, but it's in sort of, you know, made to look like a, a window niche. And I wonder what your thoughts are in terms of a culture in the 17th century in which, you know, it's it's a little dark and gloomy in the Netherlands and you've got the opportunity to open the window. You, a lot of times you see these cages and people with the birds right by the windows. Do you think these birds would have communicated with each other in these small quarters and if, you know, you've got small streets and... Well, who knows? Who yeah. knows? I mean, who knows if they... How many people in those areas had birds right. and, and things like that. But what is very clear is that these birds that you see in these pictures are all... They're on people's hands. Mm -hmm. They are demanding attention. Mm -hmm. They're bending their heads down for mm -hmm. like, you know, tickle right there, yes. left side, you know, let's right. go. Come on. Right. What are you waiting for? Right. Um, they're obviously used to this. I mean, yeah. the bird bending its head down and the, the, the woman scratching it. You know, we know. I mean, this is something that you don't just go up to a strange bird and do. Mm -hmm. So there's obviously a very right. strong bond there. Right. And the birds expect this. It's part right. of the daily routine. So you know that these right. are not birds that are kept in the cage all the right. time. No, these are happy birds. <laughs> these are birds that, you know, they have, they're have. they on these perches mm -hmm. that are obviously specially built for them. Mm -hmm. And they seem to be spending a lot of time in the company right. of the family yeah. in a very yeah. different way than, 
you know, 21st century people are... So they're ahead of their time, the Dutch, maybe, in some maybe, ways. Yes. I mean, it was yeah. so thrilling to see the, the Franz von Miris with you, the woman with, with the parrot. And um, you know, this was painted in 1663 in, in Leiden, and it's been my um, assertion um, all along, once I saw this work, that this had to be the painter's parrot. I mean, the just the realism, and we talked about this. It's not just that the par- the painter was able to capture the, the the bird in terms of its anatomical features and doing that accurately, but just the the gesture. She's feeding this um, this gray the the almond, and he's looking down on it like I'm sure many parrots and Alex did. You know. <laughs> boring, you know, (laughs) something else. And, but it's just, his head is bent down and his, you know, feathers are just about to come up and it's, it's begging for, you know, a head scratch. And I just don't, to me, um, as a parrot owner as well, as a gray owner, I can't imagine that any artist today or then, whatever their level of skill could have not, could have painted Mm -hmm. this parrot without having owned it. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, is that it's just it is so incredibly accurate, and you look at some of the other renditions, and they're they're not quite. They've got the feet, you know, mm-hmm. three and two, one instead of two and two, or things like yeah, that. Yeah, we had talked about that with or with they've Adele. got mm-hmm. or they've got a foot coming up that looks more like a monkey arm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort right. of at the place where a monkey arm might be, right? Instead of you know coming up appropriately mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah, um, or the eye is too big for the head or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. I mean, it would be taken from memory, maybe. Uh-huh. They've probably been around the birds, sure. and they have some feeling for them, but they don't remember exactly how long the tails are, or yeah. You know. But it's something almost yeah. as only an owner. You know, it's just it's this yeah. in in the work of by von Maris, and it's yeah. also her expression. I mean, she's engaging with this parrot, and it's almost you can almost hear her sigh. She's in the middle of her needlework. She's still got her thimble on. I do wonder if he's if he's looking at the thimble too. You know, they'd always look at us strangely shiny. when you've got something different in well, your hands. Well, it's but shiny. Sure, it's shiny. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's sort of like she's indulging him. And I think yeah. one of the, the qualities of this work, which is so incredible, um, is, is that we can all identify with this. I mean, the Dutch were very concerned with the home and the cleanliness of the home and and very meticulous about you know doing the, their tasks their their domestic work right. but this woman is is stopping and she's and she's stopping to give the bird the attention it needs and and it just makes me smile every time I, yeah. I see this work because it, we can all relate to that we yeah. can all relate to that we're like okay you're busy but you know yeah. um and another thing that I had um wanted to you talk about with regard to these um uh, niches and the cage specifically. I wanted to get your your thoughts on these cages. I mean, well, the I think they're are, beautiful. Well, but they're beautiful, but they're but horrible small. for the birds. Yeah, yeah, they're a bit small. I mean, I, I you think they probably took some yeah, well, license I'm, here. Well, the thing is, if those were, for example, those were sleeping cages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, travel cages. or, or, or yeah, It's coming or just, to the window because everybody's going right. to see it. It's got to be fancy. Right. <laughs> well, and it's also, okay, let's assume that the bird was spending a lot of time out and around and you wanted to give it some sun in the window and you didn't want to fly out. So you might have a small cage that you put the bird in right. that you could put it in the window so it could sun itself mm-hmm. and things like that without yeah. without flying off. Right. I mean, we, we don't know any details on that. Right. But I have seen so much hardware and, you know, in in every different 
scene, just about with these genre scenes, you look to to outside of the window, and it's it's either a mirror or some sort of cage apparatus, whether it's a small stand or a hook on the wall, the cage, whether it's empty or full, a cage of all different types. I mean, it makes sense they'd be by the window to get to get warm, mm-hmm. but also for some people to, to look mm-hmm. and admire. Right. Right. And if there were others, even if it was just small birds in the neighborhood, you know, they would have had sort of a, a chorus. I mean, the interesting thing, too, is that there are not that many raptors in the Netherlands mm-hmm. compared to other areas. So um, I know because my, my Dutch colleagues take their birds out a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I'm I'm horrified because, I mean, where I live, you know, a red-tailed hawk would get that bird in, sure. you know, 3.2 seconds. Sure. But it's like, no, it's perfectly safe. They just don't have that level of potential predation that we have in the States. Yeah. And, I mean, we have all sorts of hawks that go in, would be going in for them, you know, depending on where where in the States you live. Right. Um, but they, they don't have that kind of thing. So the idea yeah. of the birds being, you know, in situations where they couldn't be predated as easily... I think, and this theory has a bit of credibility regarding the the parrot is sort of, and the cage um, as um, representative of you know the the freedom, and um, I've explored the cage and its symbolic use in art history and um, sort of this tradition in which it's um, in the cage and out of the cage and the the notion of, of freedom and letting go of of escaping in, in some ways the ideal the idea was in in the middle ages that the, the cage was the um the body and that the bird was the soul mm-hmm. and so much of this sort of carried through and so we see these women who are taking these birds out of the cage and so to speak making a decision on letting it fly and this is all kinds of overtones in terms of chastity and and all of that and we spent some time looking at the work by Garrick Dow um, and the Amazon parrot that's on her hand and I think you were able to see a detail of it but we had talked about the arrangement of the feet of the parrot is zygodactyl. I wish I could um, show a really great detail of this, but she's holding on. She's sort of holding mm-hmm. on to it, and I think it's wonderful that these that such personal insight again into these works. The parrot's able to inform us. I mean, Dutch mm-hmm. art is so ambiguous. This woman is making a decision about where she will go in terms of her chastity and she's holding on to this bird she's not sure you know and we find this a lot in 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 dutch art sometimes just the cage what was your, what were your thoughts on yeah. on the cages well, hanging I mean, the whole thing there is again the idea of women and parrots as being objects mm-hmm. to be owned mm-hmm. i mean even in a society at you know, somewhat liberal mm-hmm. as the Dutch society of that time, it was still. You know, I don't. I don't. My belief is that women could not hold property. Women mm-hmm. were still, you know, basically mm-hmm. arranged marriages. Maybe they had some say in things, but still not a whole lot. They were, they were kind of captive the way the birds were captive. Their mm-hmm. cage was made have been much bigger and more gilded, mm-hmm. but it was still. You know, but they, that's what's so they, wonderful, I think, yeah. about these paintings. It, it, these, you know, commissioned for a small elite class, yeah. they could, they could push the boundaries. A little these bit, women yes. are, you yeah, know, I mean, you look at the Caspar Netscher, and I mean, she's she's got the parrot out. Yeah. She's looking mm-hmm. directly at the viewer, mm-hmm. um, and it, there's sort of no doubt on her face. I mean, she's confident, and she's she's breaking the rules, mm-hmm. and um, you know, in that respect, you know, it's yes, she's a pretty thing, and the bird is a pretty thing, um, but this is in some ways. Quite 
modern. Or maybe a wish to break the rules right. even more. Right, right. And that would have been enjoyed by a specific class. I mean, because, you know, it's somewhat risque subject matter. Yeah, yeah. and the idea is that maybe I can't have my freedom completely, but here's this bird can have much more freedom or right. something like that. It's very hard to right. to figure that out. And again, I'm not, not an expert of that period, mm -hmm. life in that period. Um, but it was definitely a time when the Dutch were, they were doing so much trade mm -hmm. and they were being, they were very, very wealthy comparatively to the rest of Europe at that stage mm -hmm. in terms of, of, of their ability to do, be part of this trade. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was just, you know, yeah. just incredibly amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, and there was trade with the West Indies mm -hmm. and things like that. So. And uh, Brazil. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. What, what's so, you know, this is really where you see this. The exhibition really focused on the 1660s, but you know, 1648 was the Treaty of Munster. All the Spanish embargoes were lifted, and they really, I mean, ha I think had a lot more access yeah. to, to these exotics. And so, you know, you it's sort of the best combination when you've got a, a thriving economy, the ability to trade openly, you know, there was a real market and they yeah. really had the ability to, to bring these birds in. And of course they wanted to show them off and they're, they're, they're beautiful. They're brilliant. Um, we, we had an interesting discussion when unfortunately we weren't able to see any still lives and they're not the focus of the exhibition, but the Dutch still lives. And we had talked about, you know, these bountiful, um, plates in which you know oysters and fruits of all varieties and you know, from all par parts of the world were you know displayed and they're almost falling off of the table. They're so proud of all of this. And then oftentimes you find large parrots, macaws, and greys yeah. in there. I mean, what I think I have to laugh because it's you know if there were through real life, they'd be attacking the grapes and, <laughs> yes, <it laughs> and this would, would be not quite, very pretty. quite yes. a mess. But, you know, the idea behind the, the still lifes is, you know, the some of these, many of these fruits and exotic items, you know, have a shelf life, so to speak, and uh, the transient nature of, of, of life and how one minute the apple is there and the next it's brown and withered. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that they knew, I mean, the bird, that parrots lived as long as they did? It sort of... Yeah, but we don't know how long those birds did live. Yeah. I mean, again, they pro they didn't have the kind of veterinary care we have sure. now. Right. They probably didn't know what to feed them. Mm -hmm. The birds that were captured, I mean, just imagine, here's this bird captured in you know, somewhere in Africa, how it was, the, the you know, m length of time that it was on the ship, probably eating ship's biscuits and not much else, right. okay, um, finally gets to this place. Um, the birds are probably not young. Mm -hmm. They weren't breeding them. Right. So you don't know. They might have been yeah. taking relatively old birds and... You know, maybe they didn't last that mm. long. Maybe they were also this kind of thing that we enjoy these birds right. for the few years that they're with us, and then mm -hmm. they're no longer there. So right. it might have also been part of that whole still life thing. I mean, yeah. we, we think now, oh, yeah, you get a bird, you're going to have it for 40 years. Right. But they um, didn't know. And that's, you know, yeah. this is why we need interdisciplinary thought because, yeah. you know, art historians, sometimes we tend to, you know, make an assumption, well, this is the way that it is. Now, we have to be careful about that. They, you're, you're absolutely right. It, they they may not have lived that long or that may have been very old. So that would not have occurred to them in, you know, this whole ideology behind the transient nature of life that, oh, well, the bird lives really a, a very long time, so this is actually, um, you know, a total dichotomy. And right. um, no, it may have just been a colorful way to 
show off again the you know their exotic yeah. exploits right yeah. you know um yeah. well, i that's again that's this this is the kind of thing where you know we need we need scientists and 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 other other experts to come in and 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 give their insight because that you will see things that that we may not um i was interested when we were discussing um the concept of birds in these merrymaking and music scenes to know what you yeah. thought yeah. about their inclusion. Yeah, well, again, I mean, these birds, they, you know, most of the parrots, they like music. Mm -hmm. They, you know, cockatoos, which are not part of the scene, but I mean, they're, you know, the but dancing cockatoo. there is a cockatoo, cockatoo in, in a music scene. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, the cockatoo, they're dancing. You know, we know anything, but anybody who's watched YouTube knows, mm -hmm. you know, the dancing cockatoos. The snowball. Um, yeah, right. The grays <laughs> are more the little guys in the three-piece suits, mm -hmm. you know, just sort of. But they have rhythm. Mine they is have rhythm. rhythm. <laughs> they'll, they'll bounce. They'll, bounce. they'll gently bounce yep. to the rhythm. They mm -hmm. like it. I mean, Alex would whistle along when mm -hmm. we play music in lab. Yeah. He had certain things that he really liked more than other things, and he'd whistle mm -hmm. along with that stuff. He'd learn bits and pieces and snatches of Beethoven, Mozart, and stuff oh, really? like that. Yeah, oh, little bits great. and pieces. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're they're definitely into into all this musical stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, Amazons are known much more than the Greys for, for learning long stretches of music and opera and things like that. Um, you know, yeah. yeah. So the fact that they're part of the music scene doesn't surprise you. Not at all. I mean, they really, they knew how to party. I mean, it's these merrymaking <laughs> scenes, and it's almost like, okay, you know, they, 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 they're pulling the, this contraption, you know, with these ropes, and they're pulling the cage down. You know, you can almost hear the wine, you know, mm -hmm. pop, they corked or whatever, uh, you know, and, and the music's, you know, the, the, the instruments are coming out, and it was, you know, this is not, we're not composing anything serious, but we're going to have a little party. And this, this, you can almost hear it, you know, these birds that are chiming in, and it would have just been fun. It would yeah. have been funny, yeah. you know. Um, but you do see them in, in, in a lot of these um, merrymaking scenes and oftentimes out of the cage. I don't know. Is this, maybe they're out of the cage. They feel a little bit more liberated yeah. and um, yeah. louder. I don't know. Mine, I know, is as soon as she's yeah. out of the cage, she starts bopping around and making her own music. So, yeah, I mean, it's really quite a perspective, I think, into into the leisure time, you know, how they used it. And, um, yeah, incorporating these birds in so many different aspects of their life. I mean, whether we've got them taken down in, with, in the company of, of children, um, yeah, I, I, th I think that's, that's very interesting, that, that concept that, you know, who's going to speak first or, you know, um, or again, yes, just this is how you take care of a bird. I mean, you know, this is something we've got to do today with our children and, you know, teaching them about the responsibilities of the pet and right. this, these of sort course. of things. So, yeah. Yeah. well, since we have a couple more minutes, if that's okay with yeah. you, um, also wanted to talk a bit about the uh, one work by Pieter de Hoch um, in which the couple is luring out the um, parrot with a glass of wine and yeah, dipping a biscuit. It doesn't, it doesn't seem even to... entirely look like a parrot, to right. be honest. Yeah, no. Um, and Although I'd need a big magnifying glass or something to see what's going on, yeah. Right. Um, but, you know, this is very much sort of a, a courtship ritual. I think it wasn't important, particularly important to this artist that he got the bird right. <laughs> he wants to sort of um, make make the point. A, a statement. Um, yeah, yes, bird in the yes. Cage, yeah. Um, but this um, this tradition, and, and I'm wondering what thoughts you have as um, a 
avian behavioral well, specialist I mean, about courtship and, and monogamy. I mean, well, there's, you know, my, my first response to this is, okay, so the bird is her pet and the bird is bonded to her and she's got this guy who's going to be part of her life maybe. This bird better like him too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, let's introduce. Let's introduce. Let's introduce them. Um, you know, it's it's almost like, well, if the bird likes him, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he'll be an okay guy. Yeah. I mean, it's just. it's just, this, That's a that very was, interesting idea. That was just my, my first reaction to it was, um, you know, sort of like, hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, is this guy? I mean, I'm gonna. This is my bird, mm-hmm. and if he if doesn't he, like this bird, we've got we've got to have some problems here. You know, that's a really. I, yeah. I would. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. I mean, and, I was sort of thinking courtship, and this is part of the process, yeah. and you know, giving. Yeah. But, but who knows? I mean, you know, maybe. I mean, that's my 21st century take on on seeing. Yes, this. but that's yeah. what. Well, that's why you're here. We yeah. want that. I but, mean, you know. But I'm mean, again, maybe or maybe the bird was a present from him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's another and thing gifting, where he's, yeah. bring, he's gifting it to her, and he's saying, look mm-hmm. at this beautiful gift I've given you, and this is, you know... That's a very great um, point, you know? I mean, sort of, um, b- because in this work, he sort of... It's something of a bravado with which he's placed the the, the cage, um, the down, cage yeah. down. And he's lifting the thing mm-hmm. and like, oh, here, you know, mm-hmm. this is my gift to you. See if you can get this bird out and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I mean, that's another possibility right. on this, yeah. And I'm wondering, I mean... Um, and again, it would be a very valuable gift. Yes. No, he was serious about her. There's no yeah. question about yeah. it. If that's yeah. if that's the case, it's, I mean, yeah. would this have been, you know, um, monogamy? I mean, this is always something. Yeah. I'm wondering when I look at these works. Sometimes when I don't see the parrot, something registers. I mean, yeah. I don't believe I've come across a work in which um, a woman is receiving a, a love letter, bad news, or any, you know, heartbreak of it, and you don't tend to see the parrot or even cage there. I mean, I think. You know, the dog is so often used in in the history of art. You know, Fido, they represent fidelity and right. this and that. Wonder if if the yeah. Well, I mean, the question too is, did the at that time did they understand that these birds are monogamous? Mm-hmm. How I could mean, they have known? You know, what, would do you think that they would have had the? Could you really only see that if you saw them out in the wild? Right, perhaps? and you could you know really track these birds. And I mean, seeing them, you know, did these explorers? Go into the wild. Did they see the the male and the female defend the nest hole mm-hmm. against other birds mm-hmm. and assume that that was a monogamous pair? I mean, we and have yeah, no. that's that's fascinating because you know, especially if they're you know taken out of the wild, and, and we do have some accounts of this. You right. know, um, would this knowledge have been passed on? You know, right. from whomever took this bird from the wild and transported it all this right. way. Um, you know, well, you know. This was it observations, yeah. right? Yeah. And I mean, we just, I mean, we right. just don't know. Right. We just don't know. That's yeah. interesting as it relates to the sort of the tradition of, of emblem books. And I think you said your your Dutch colleague had had um, done some work on on these books. And this is very much sort of the idea that um, not just the cage of the bird itself, but you know, the happy home, the conjugal felicity was um, something they really sort of wanted to propagandize. You know, you know, yeah. the, a solid. Um, a solid marriage and you know and so yeah I, I can't help but wonder if they did have they seem to just really have a, a good understanding of, of these birds and they treated them well and did, did they if they knew that they were yeah, indeed I mean, monogamous what, what they might have found is that the bird was particularly attentive to one member of the family mm-hmm. and then they sort of figured oh well maybe that's some kind of 
comment on mm-hmm. on fidelity or something like that because mm-hmm. if the bird isn't handled by all the members of the family sure. it will pick one person sure to be sure. a favorite and things like that so mm-hmm. maybe they were extrapolating you know, yeah. that's really hard to to yeah. figure out yeah, it is have you seen any of the um I call them birdscapes, but I'm sure that's not what they're called. And they're sort of landscapes, if you will. And you've got every single species of parrot and ostriches and this and that sort of combined into one. And I've always sort of made the analogy that's kind of like the still life is in these floral still lives. There's no way you could have that many species blooming at once. Right. You know, as the Dutch, we can make anything happen. But we know from, you know, um, studies and drawings that, you know, they would study one in bloom and render it, wait till the other came in disease. You know, I, I sort of m- maybe incorrectly made something of an analogy between this. Well, you know, they can bring together every species from every right. <laughs> corner of the, corner earth, of the yeah. earth. And, you know, so I look at these works and I think, oh, it's, it, that'd be a bloodbath. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, in your experience, I don't, I haven't seen the grays in the wild. I've seen the macaws. Um, they, they tend to stick together the species stick yeah, together. Yeah, well, there, there aren't that many other parrots yeah. in the African area where right. the greys are. Right. Usually they're in equatorial Africa. The other other um, parrots, they're in different areas of Africa. So mm-hmm. it's basically, you know, yeah. there, there's not a whole lot of overlap. And there's one work by Van Dyck, which um, um, the 17th century um, painter, court painter, and which he has been commissioned to paint a... Um, an, an earl, um, and he's just returned from his trip to India, um, and he wants it sort of memorialized, so to speak, and, you know, he, he pays a pretty penny, I would assume, in order for Van Dyke to paint him in full, you know, jungle garb and this <laughs> and that in India, and he's even attended to by um, a native, native yes, um, servant, and but in the corner, in the um, in the tree, is a scarlet macaw or a macaw. I don't know if it's a scarlet, but you know. And and I I just laughed when I saw this. Um, and Thomas Borer, who has written about parrot culture and parrots and, and art and history, um, you know, first um, made mention of this, I believe. And you know, it's the wrong, <laughs> it's wrong. the wrong species <laughs> in the wrong, you know, but so that's just an indication of how desperate these dignitaries were to to be associated yes. with the parrot, yes. you know, yeah. and it's, it doesn't matter that it came from the wrong continent. continent. Yeah. Um, you know, I am so exotic and so, so well-traveled and, um, you know, I, I, I wonder if you ever him found up out. on my other trip. Right. Now, no, yeah. I wonder if you ever found out because I'd probably, I'd want my money back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? yeah. Um, well, I wanted to say thank you again so much. I mean, for you to come down here and to see these works with you, and um, you know, I you know I've been such a fan of your work for well, so long, and you. I think if anything, you know, all of this, all of your work with Alex and Griffin and these cognitive studies, I think you know, th- there's history to the long tradition to say. You know what, Irene, you're right. <laughs> These birds, they they knew. And if anybody, I think, was smart enough to figure out um, that these these birds were um, yeah, more than mimics, and they really were, would would have been the Dutch, you know. And yeah. just what an opportunity to to see them 
inside yeah. their homes. It's so yeah. informative for historians, you know. Yeah, it's, it's really exciting. I mean, and again, I've, I've never had a museum tour with a, somebody who's done the exhibit, so I had all this insight, which well, is so thank you so really. much. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's fascinating when you think about the history of these birds. And the other thing that I will put in is they are mm-hmm. now, the grays are CITES 1 endangered. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. they're talking by 2050 that there won't be any grays mm-hmm. in the wild anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really scary. It, it, it is. I, I'm, I'm glad you made that point. Is there special, special yeah. birds, special pets? And, um, yeah, so um, thank you again so You're much. welcome. And, um, yeah, any time that you want to come back or when you're in the Netherlands, please <laughs> make sure to call our colleagues, the Rijksmuseum, the Moritz House, and yeah. see <laughs> see these parrots. So they want their, your insight. I think yeah. it's just... It's really important. As we discussed, we had lunch together, and, you know, it, yeah. we bring in uh, an equestrian. We'll have a really interesting and accurate perspective of, of you know, these portraits in which, you know, right, yeah. horses are featured. I mean, it makes sense. I, I think yeah. we can learn. It's not just a bird. It's not It's not just a symbol, yeah. you know. And um, so, again, thank you so much yeah. for really just, well, making a dream come true for yeah. me, but, um, yeah. you know, for, for, for coming this all this way and, and looking at these works. And, cool. you know, I wish you so much luck. And maybe thank you'll you. invite me to the lab one oh, time to meet <laughs> Griffin. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what we can do. We'll okay. We can do. Thank you. This has been a National Gallery of Art podcast.